Hey everyone, uh, welcome hey, to once again, thanks uh, for joining us on this audio podcast. I'm I want to uh, put host. a shout out to Lee Fair. This podcast is the uh, music audio Cannon from uh, Intro as Balls for this credit. And uh, so first, I want to apologize for those good luck in your coaching reading my emails with the messed up date. I, for some reason, just could not uh, get that uh, straight. So anyway, that aside, a couple of uh, little announcements here before I bring TJ on. Uh, for those of you who might be new, the recordings of all our past calls are available uh, both on our YouTube channel, uh, through Apple Podcasts, and also now Google Play. And the link to those is in the email that I sent out, and if you've not been getting that email, if you want to email me and I will uh, put up a slide later on that has my email address on it because I realized I just didn't do that. Um, and uh, please, particularly Apple Podcasts, subscribe and leave a review because it's really kind of funny how that works with um, the more people who are subscribed and reviewed, it pops up easier. Uh, it's easier to find for people. And right now it's listed under my name, Sam Callen, and also as Coach Education. And if you do a version of that, you'll eventually find it. You'll see a couple of podcasts on there from me that I've done uh, maybe back in the old days. And um, and uh, with that, so anyway, the, and also a quick reminder about the USCCE Coach Developer Conference coming up on Orlando uh, in June. I hope everybody's going to be there. I said in June. It's uh, just in a week or so. And um, hopefully folks are uh, going to be there. If so, it'll be great to touch base and see you face-to-face. A couple of uh, announcements about upcoming calls. Uh, July the 18th, I'm going to have Jessica Leahy on. She's written a book called The Gift of Failure, uh, which is about how it's a good idea to let our kids fail. She's a former educator and a parent as well. And then uh, August 14th, Daniel Coyle, who wrote The Culture Code. He also wrote The Talent Code. Uh, he is going to be the uh, guest that month, and so if you haven't read The Culture Code, I highly recommend it. Uh, Jessica's book as well, um, but I think that uh, if you've read Dan's previous work uh, and like his writing style, I think you'll like Culture Code too. Uh, just a quick reminder for those, if you want to uh, send a chat message or something, and, and TJ's pretty good at, uh, he's figured out how to access that, so he can see the, the questions come in. You can either direct them to him or me. If you take that little bubble up there that I've got circled, uh, you can type in your question there, and uh, we'll address those as we go along. All right, so TJ is the U.S. Lacrosse Senior Manager, Technical Director for Athlete Development. Uh, TJ is a lacrosse coach himself. He's a former teacher and has a master's degree in education, uh, which I think comes through if you hear TJ talking about ADM and the coaching practices. It's uh, pretty evident he has a, a solid background in education. And part of the reason I want to get him on here is uh, to talk about the parent engagement meeting and follow-up calls that we've had. Just kind of bring everybody maybe up to speed on where that stands. And then also want to have him talk about what U.S. Lacrosse is doing. So uh, with that, uh, let me um, – TJ, are you unmuted there? I am, Sam. Great. Hey, a couple of questions before we get in the parent engagement thing. Absolutely. Give folks a little bit of a history of lacrosse. I mean, it's really one of the oldest sports in North America. It is the original American sport. Um, you know, played by the Native Americans way, 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 way back before uh, you know Columbus and his buddies got lost and made a wrong turn and ended up here. Um, you know, and and we were Europeanized, I guess you could kind of say. Um, you know, so I mean, it's it's been around forever. It started as really what the Native Americans called a medicine game. 
it wasn't so much of a competition per se as it was more of a spiritual kind of ritualistic type of game um, that they would use. You know, if if someone was sick, they would get together and celebrate. You know, by by playing this game. Um, it was also used, you know, in other areas or other avenues to sometimes, um, you know, settle tribal disputes over land or something like that. They would play. Um, but it looked nothing like the game that, you know, you might see on ESPN or somewhere like that nowadays. Um, fields could be miles and miles long between villages, and each side could have hundreds of players, um, you know, on the field at a time. So, you know, then the, uh, you know, when the, the Europeans got here, they kind of uh, started to standardize it, and, um, you know, somebody would probably be a better history fact checker than I, but, you know, somewhere around the, uh, you know, 1800s or so, um, you know, a standardized set of rules were kind of placed around the game and, you know, field dimensions and, you know, uh, number of athletes on the field, so on and so forth, and, you know, started to really take the shape into the modern game that we see today. Uh, very cool. And the sport has grown tremendously in the last 10 or 15 years or so. I mean, to, for a while it seemed like this was very much a northeastern, mid-Atlantic state sport, and and, and it just seems like it's exploded across the country. I mean, out here in the you know Denver, Colorado Springs area, we you know we've had seen tremendous growth. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the growth and, and what you think led to that. Yeah. So um, you know we still are you know very heavily you know in the Mid Atlantic Northeast with probably the densest population of of lacrosse playing you know uh, persons, people, kids, you know adults, whatever. Um, but you know, you're absolutely correct. We are seeing you know the the westward expansion, if you will, um, from this area. And I think you know it's a variety of factors um, because of you know the the growth that we see on the east coast. You know, as those people you know uh, go off to college and they go and take jobs out in let's say California as an example, and they say, hey man, there's no lacrosse out here. What am I going to do, right? And so they go and they get their own program started. And when you have you know quality people who have played at a high level. Um, showing up in those areas, it's kind of the, the impetus that's needed to get this thing going. Um, I also think that, you know, we still in some of these non-traditional areas, you know, the, the Colorados, the Idahos, whatever of the world, um, we have a lot of that, what I would call the X Games factor, where, you know, the parents don't know enough to interfere with their kids' experience just yet, um, or the coaches don't even know enough, and so the kids want to try it because it's cool, it's new, and, you know, they're kind of learning right alongside the, the parent, the coach, et cetera, as, as the game is developing out there. Um, and, it, and it creates kind of a, a unique or a different type of environment for, for kids in those non-traditional um, communities where the game is, is growing. Um, over the last, you know, 10, 15 or so years, um, you know, in the early 2000s, we were seeing, you know, double-digit growth per year, 11, 12, 13% even um, over those years. We have started to plateau a little bit, um, you know, we're down into the into the single digit growth. Um, but you know, as as uh, you know, as with anything, we are still growing, and we're we're one of the few sports that is consistently still growing, even though our growth has slowed a little bit. And of course, there's a collegiate uh, NCAA, and then there's also a professional league too, which is you know, I, I catch those on TV, and we hear a lot about it because we have a professional team up in Denver that's pretty popular. Um, so you guys have a neat pathway as far as that goes. Yeah, we, we absolutely do. Um, you know, we have a, a men's professional league um, that is, you know, continually growing and, you know, attracting a little bit more fan base every year. 
Um, you know, the women's game now has actually two professional leagues um, going on, so there's you know a, a place for for people to play after you know their college experience. Um, we're still not in that you know major league baseball, NHL, NFL <laughs> realm of things with you know what these athletes are are being compensated for their their time, effort, and and I'll say entertainment. Um, but it's it's coming along. There's a there's a couple of athletes that you know they're making a full time go of this um, at the professional level between you know playing in the indoor box game, uh, playing in the the you know the professional field leagues, as well as some endorsement deals, and you know being able to leverage their their name and their brand, so to speak, to put on camps and clinics, and they're they're piecing together a, a pretty decent living. Very cool. Well, let's uh, let me I'm gonna screen over to you here. And um, whoops, sorry about. No, no worries, we're good, Sam. And yeah, uh, here we go. And um, talk a little bit about the parent engagement uh, project that I, I, I'll, I'm going to say you guys kicked off at Lacrosse, and um, and kind of how that meeting came about and what's been happening so far with it. And we're in the very very early stages of this. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do, Sam. So, you know, as, as at U.S. Lacrosse, as we started looking at athlete development, um, we really wanted to try and figure out, you know, who is our primary audience and, you know, who should we be addressing if we really want to impact and incite change, you know, for the better, better for, um, you know, aspiring lacrosse athletes. And we kind of boiled it down to, you know, three groups. We have the coaches, right? They're directly on the field with the athletes and can really impact the way the kids experience the sport, right? We have the athletes themselves. Um, so, you know, what kind of, you know, tools, resources, information, experiences can we provide to the athlete to help them, you know, better enjoy the sport? And then, you know, there's the, the parent piece. Um, you know, and parents are a, a huge component in this, in this um, you know, journey that kids are on for athlete development. And I always like to say, you know, picture it like a three-leg stool with, you know, the, the parent, the athlete, and the coach. If we take away any one of those legs, the entire system is going to fail, right? If, if the parents aren't on board, the stool tips over. If the coaches aren't on board, it tips over. If the athletes aren't, same thing. It's going to tip over. And so we really felt it was necessary to address each of these groups. As we, you know, started down the, the ADM road, um, in 2016, we focused heavily on coaches. We wanted to get the most bang for our bucks right out of the gate by, you know, engaging with the coaches and providing them with materials to, you know, just do things differently. Um, you know, we're, we goes without saying the dropout rates in youth sport and, you know, all the things that lead to that. So we thought, hey, let's get after the coaches first and really try to provide them with some tools that are going to help them provide kids with a great experience. That included a, you know, a variety of, you know, uh, drills, and I really don't like the word drills anymore. I'm learning, leaning more towards using the, the terminology of games um, with our athletes and activities as opposed to drills. Um, so we provided them with that. We've begun revamping our entire coach development program to align the content and the curriculum, whether it's the online stuff or the um, live in-person clinics, so that the coaches are experiencing it in that way again, to, to go out and impact the, the kids. Um, we launched in 2017 some what I would call athlete experience events, um, basically camps and clinics. Uh, but the idea being we want to be, as the national governing body, 
provide a first class, you know, best experience for a kid who is brand new to lacrosse or is just learning the sport. Um, we've also begun venturing into, you know, the further development pathway of, hey, once a kid's played for a couple of years, what does that look like? Um, and we're just about ready to release some information on a national team's development uh, program. Um, but I'm not nearly qualified enough to talk about all that entails. Um, but perhaps that's a, another podcast for you for another time, Sam. Um, and then in 2018, you know, we decided, okay, so we've hit the coaches, we've hit the athletes. Now we need to get after the parents because parents are also a major influencer in the, the child's, you know, sport experience. Um, and it wasn't so much, you know, that how to be a great sideline parent and not harass the officials and leave the coach alone and let them do their job. It was more of how do we engage with the parents and provide them with the tools and the resources and the information to take a look at how their child is experiencing the sport and say, hey, this is either really good for my kid or this is broken and I don't want to spend my money, you know, putting my kid into a place that I'm not getting the most bang for their buck or return on investment and my kid's not enjoying it, my kid's not getting any better, you know, whatever those things would be. So, you know, that led us down this path. Um, and as we started getting into the work, I reached out to Chris Snyder and I said, hey, Chris, you know, we're all doing this kind of stuff, right? Um, all of the governing bodies, we're, we're trying to figure this thing out of, you know, how do we engage the parents to help incite the change that we want to see with ADM? And uh, so what do you think about, you know, let's get everybody together here in Baltimore um, or we do it in Colorado, whatever, you know, we're happy to host. It's not a problem for us. Um, but let's get everybody together and let's, let's see if, you know, 20 minds are smarter than one or two working independently. Um, Chris thought it was a fantastic idea, um, you know, and from his role at the, with coaching education at, at the USOC, he said, hey, you know what, we can back this, we can support this, so let's get this thing in motion. Um, and that's, you know, really what led to, you know, this, this summit of some sort that we had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, TJ, just a quick thing. I'm not seeing your screen. I don't know if the uh, request went through or not on that. Um, but let me – I, I was at that meeting and um, you know, had representatives – and I, I apologize if I leave someone out here. Um, there we go. There's your screen. Um, we had uh, folks from tennis. They were very well represented. Uh, golf and volleyball. And there you go, great graphic on that one, and swimming. So, um, so as you can see, it's a it's a well-rounded group. We had team sports in there. We had individual sports. We've got uh, you know sports that are very new to the Olympic movement. Um, golf being the you know newest member of of that group, and and welcome to golf who started with the Olympics in uh, in Rio. Um, you know, and then you know you guys in football are. Uh, or you know part of the family, although you're not represented at the Olympic Games. Um, you know, I, I, I imagine one day lacrosse will be in there. I, Sam, I Sam, I always like yeah. to say we're like the little brother that gets to sit at the cool kids' table. Um, you know, and and we reap all of the benefits of the conversation and you know the the sharing of resources and and information. Um, yet we're not beholden to some of the things that everybody else is. Um, yeah. And you know we obviously don't receive any any funding from the USOC, but yeah, 
Um, yeah, and I, I think you guys have done a tremendous uh, work with the ADM and stuff. So, uh, but how about before we get to that, let's talk about maybe just a quick summary of some of the things that came out of that uh, the parent engagement meeting. And, and I think it's really important. And I'll admit, at that meeting, I'm, I'm, I was guilty of this of, you know, really thinking about this in terms of what term do we use when we're talk, talking about this parent engagement. I think we kind of all agreed we like that phrase. Because we talked about parent education, which you know sounds a little condescending. What do I need educated on? Um, and, and a lot of this too is some frustrations in dealing with parents and how do you deal with parents? And that sort of has a negative connotation as well. So why don't you maybe go through and um, uh, hit your points there? Yeah. So I've got a I've got a bunch of slides here, Sam. But you know, and you kind of touched on that first one. You know, and the big thing, as Sam said, is you know the idea of I'm going to or we're going to educate you, right? And that puts the hackles up on a lot of parents' necks right away, right? And so a major thing that came out of this meeting is, you know, how do we engage with the parents? Because at the end of the day, we all have the same goals for the athlete, whether it's the coach, whether it's the governing body, whether it's the parent. We want the kids to go as far as they can in the sport that they choose or in multiple sports that they choose and as far as they desire to go. Um, so we felt that, you know, coming out of this meeting, that engagement was a huge piece because at the end of the day, we do need to shift that conversation from dealing with parents to working with parents based on everybody having those same goals. And so how do we do that? That was something we, we wanted to talk about. The other piece of this, of this meeting was, you know, if we're all doing the same thing and we're all trying to say the same thing, why are we each doing it in a relatively unique way or, you know, outside of each other when, you know, we're all preaching multi-sport and we're pre preaching the collaboration between sports so that, you know, a soccer player can play lacrosse and soccer or basketball can play hockey and basketball, right? But yet we're all kind of operating in this vacuum or in this bubble of, well, this is, uh, you know, what what is best for your kid coming from lacrosse. And while it may be similar to what is coming out from, you know, uh, fencing, right, it's not the same. And we really felt that if we're all in this thing called youth sports together and we're all behind athlete development and the concepts and science of long-term athlete development, then it's probably a good idea that we speak the same language and we provide common tools and resources. And that those tools, resources, whatever it is that comes out at the end of the day, you know, shows a unified front across all of the sports. Um, that it's not just one of us saying it, it's, Team USA saying it per our, you know, follow-up call the other week, Sam, that it's Team USA. And Team USA is made up of lacrosse, basketball, soccer, field hockey, whoever, right? It's, it's all of us. So we, we, we thought that was really important to, to put basically those two big buckets together. And, you know, within them, you know, we kind of came up with some, some central themes of, you know, what, what we wanted to communicate or what we want to communicate. So the idea of what's the parent's role? You know, is it to just put their kid in the minivan and drive them to practice and games, drop them off, go get some Starbucks, come back two hours later? We don't believe so. Um, so, but how do we communicate that, right? And we felt that was really important. The next was the idea of process over outcomes. Um, you know, I absolutely loved, you know, the, the Philadelphia 76ers this year, you know, kind of working under that motto or that theme of trust the process, right? But again, when we look at the youth sport market, you know, we're very heavily focused on the outcomes and, and even parents are. They're, 
you know, jumping their kids from one program to the next, hoping for that next gold medal or, you know, national championship that you seem to be able to win every weekend at some, you know, location throughout the country. But, you know, development is about a process. It's not about an outcome. And so we wanted to make sure we're providing clear and consistent communication about that. The idea of winning off the field, right, that sports is a lot about a lot more than just what happens, you know, in the training environment or, you know, the, the actual um, sport-specific skill and activity, that it can develop a whole lot more things, healthy, active lifestyles, um, you know, fitness for life, um, you know, the ability to work in, in teams, the networking connections that are made, all of that, you know, kind of, we call it maybe tertiary stuff, but yet so valuable that comes from participating in sport. The idea that, you know, there's a couple of different routes that, that kids take in, in their athletic experience, right? Some are on a performance pathway and some are on a participation pathway. And neither is right and neither is wrong. It's just what fits the athlete best. So how do we communicate that to the parent as well as helping them to identify which one is their kid and which one is right for their kid? Inspiring athletes for lifelong success. Again, that, that ties back to the winning off the field. Um, you know, the, the research and data is out there that, you know, the United States as a whole is, is winning a race to being the most obese country in the world. Um, pretty sure that's a race we don't want to win. Um, you know, and so lifelong success could be in health. It could be a productive member of society because you, you know, work well in, in a group setting with, you know, teammates. Um, for those that are, you know, single, single athlete sports, such as, you know, Sam with fencing, um, you know, lifelong success has a, a different meaning there. How do I overcome obstacles? Um, how do I persevere, right? How do I adapt to, to ever-changing situations? So how, communicating that sport can do all of this, and this is how the parent can help make these things happen for their athlete. So we had a couple of desired outcomes, right? And, you know, the, the biggest piece of this, if we had to summarize it to, to three main points, was, you know, Team USA, again, comprised of all of the, the governing bodies here, we want as many kids as possible participating for as long as possible with the best experience possible. Um, you know, and I think that really sums up what athlete development is about. Um, certainly, you know, we, we want kids, you know, going into that higher level play and, you know, maybe one day ending up on the podium representing the United States in international competition or the Olympics. But at the end of the day, you know, that's such a small fraction of, the, of sport participants that, you know, we, we really wanted to focus on, on this main theme centralized area. So we, you know, trying to put some of those things into action and, um, you know, one of my colleagues here at U.S. Lacrosse, Aaron Smith, who's our uh, director of education and training, um, did a great job of summarizing these and she's kind of the chairperson of the, the working group that came out of our meeting and she put together some some thoughts that we've been kicking around and, and working through as we continue to develop this, um, you know, communal effort towards uh, engaging with the parents. But the idea was we got to hit them in their hearts, right? We got to show them the why, the what's in it for me, and how's this going to make a difference for my kid? And, you know, and, and punch them right where it feels so that, you know, there's an emotional connection to doing the right thing for, for their child or providing, you know, the right experience for their child. We had to, you know, hit them in the head, so to speak, right? Not literally, just kind of figuratively, but use things that just make sense. 
right? And it, that it's it's easy to understand and um, easy to relate to, right? So that you know, it's kind of a, a no-brainer that yeah, these are the things that should be happening for my athlete. And then finally, you know, address their hands. Put things in their hands that make it possible for them to, you know, assist and engage with the coaches and work with the program administrators or whoever it may be so that their athlete is having the best experience possible. So next comes up the, the kind of million-dollar question here of, well, how will we engage with this group? Um, you know, it's, uh, parents are, are all over the place, right? So how are we going to get in front of them? And that's, you know, some of the things we're working through right now. But the, you know, baseline of, of where we're headed with this is identifying how and where we can best reach the parents. Is that via some kind of mobile app? Is it advertisements on Amazon.com? Is it flyers at the grocery store or, you know, stand-up displays in the community library? Um, you know, we don't really know right now. We're still, you know, talking through and, and figuring some of these pieces out. But we think that's really important to identify where we can really reach and make a difference for the parents. Making it easy for them, right? And not just for the parents, but also for, you know, the sport providers. Um, you know, there's a, a pretty good number of sport providers that are, you know, they're on board with this stuff. But it's, you know, can be relatively difficult if you don't have the luxury of spending all day, um, you know, working on this stuff and figuring out how you're going to do it. So how can we make it easy? What are some very simple, actionable things that we can provide that will um, help them do the right things? Make it relevant, right? And that's always the, the, the huge selling point, right, of whatever you're trying to sell is what's in it for me, right? And that's the world we live in nowadays. So how can we make this relevant to the parents so that they look at it and they say, hey, this fits my situation, right? Or if it's a, um, you know, pro sport, youth sport program provider and they want to engage with their parents, how can we make it relevant to that club or that organization so that they feel um, empowered to drive it down or, you know, work with the parents for it? And obviously the local empowerment. Um, you know, sitting in our, and, and I've heard this term thrown around a couple of times and even over our, our couple of days together, Sam, is, um, you know, sitting in our ivory towers at the NGB level, it's really difficult for us to implement change. We have to have the people with the boots on the ground, the grassroots, if you will, you know, feel empowered and be equipped to be able to, to make these changes that we wish to see. So that's kind of the, the summary of, of our meeting. I don't want to dive into USL. I'll take a little break here, Sam. Maybe some questions came out as I was doing that. I apologize. I didn't look at the chat bubble there while I was going through slides. But No, no, quite all right. <clears throat> um, I had sent a message out. Anybody have any questions for TJ, either put them in the chat bubble or we have such a small group. If you just uh, type in there, hey, I got a question, um, we'll unmute you and you can ask it yourself. Um, I, I think one of the things with this, maybe give people a chance to get their thoughts um, here is, you know, one of the big things that I like about having this um, group working together is that, um, you know, you have a you have a large staff at your NGB. I, I know you probably would like to have more staff, but <laughs> as someone who's been around this world since about 1997, you guys have, you know, hockey has a big staff, swimming has a big staff, and, and fencing we have a small staff, um, and uh, you know, there are NGBs, and we have 17 full-time employees, I think. 
Um, and we've got another one we share a building with. I think they have five, and others have three. And so a lot of this really can benefit those smaller NGBs that don't have the resources to to put this together. And and that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of folks that we might end up reaching out there. Uh, you know, I think of our my neighbors over here at Table Tennis. They they just you know they've got good staff, but you know they're they're kind of focused in a really narrow world, and they want to have this stuff, but they they can't do it uh, on their own. So uh, that's my little uh, preaching. So um, why don't you why don't you go in to talk about what Lacrosse is doing in terms of parent engagement? I was in I sat in on one of the live webinars that you guys did, and and listened to a, a follow up that you guys did, and uh, why don't you share with folks what you guys are doing? Yeah, sure. So, you know, as I kind of mentioned earlier, we've really made the parent our primary focus for athlete development for this year. It doesn't mean we're not doing things for coaches or we're not doing things for athletes, but, you know, everything that is our primary objective is, is geared towards the parent when we're, when we're putting things together. Um, there we go. So obviously, you know, we're, we're utilizing social media and whether that's, you know, sharing articles, sharing research, um, you know, blog posting, so on and so forth. You know, we're trying to, to get parent messaging, um, parent-focused messaging out in front, um, you know, through our various marketing communication channels, right? Um, I'll share one of these in a little bit, but we've really taken the, the core values of our athlete development model, and we broke them down into really simple um, infographics. You know, top five things you can, top five things you need to know about multi-sport participation, and on the flip side of it, the top five things you can do to help your child um, with multi-sport participation. Right? As Sam alluded to, we've been doing a, a boatload of webinars. Um, about a week or two ago, just finished up a five, six-week series of parent-focused webinars. So we took our core values, again, of our athlete development model, and we kind of spun the language a little bit to say, hey, if you're a parent, this is how it applies to you. Um, I like to use the example of, you know, uh, lacrosse practice, right? So we put together webinars when we were doing the coach piece that were how to run a great practice. And we put together a curriculum and a clinic for running a great practice for coaches. So we took that information, spun it around a little bit, tweaked the language, and made it for the parent group to say, how do I identify a great practice? You know, are your coaches doing things that are really out there to, to help your child develop, or are they going through the motions, or are they somewhere in between, right? But we want to educate you as a consumer of youth sport, and that's really what a parent is, because they're writing the checks, they're signing the kids up, they're consumers at the end of the day. So how do we, you know, engage with the consumer and provide them the information that they need to make informed decisions? Um, and so, you know, maybe a little bit controversial, because, you know, if, if you're a coach who's not doing some of these things, um, maybe we threw you under the bus a little bit, um, but you know we're okay with that. We're comfortable with that because we're we're here for kids, and we want kids to have a great experience. And if you know you're a coach who's doing the same thing that you learned back when you played in college in the 1980s, and you're doing that in 2018, you're failing the kids. And you know in some respects, maybe you deserve to be called out a little bit for not you know developing professionally and staying current, whether that's with you know the technical and tactical aspects of the game or, you know, the information that we know now about how kids learn and grow and develop. Um, but, you know, we want to we put you on the hot seat if you're not doing the right thing and engage the parents and empower them to ask the questions of why aren't we doing this. 
Well, TJ, I'm jumping on that for a second here too. You mentioned something really interesting. If they're doing the same, you know, drills and that you know that they were doing in college, but they're coaching ten-year-olds, probably not appropriate as well. And I see that a lot of like, well, I did that drill when I was in high school or college or something, and um, you know, now so I'll just do it with the ten-year-olds, and it may be highly inappropriate to do that. And I don't mean inappropriate in a you know, sort of <laughs> way. I mean, it's just they're not ready for that. They haven't developed the other skills that you have by the time you get to high school or college as well. And so making them developmentally appropriate uh, is really important as well. And absolutely. I know you guys do a good job with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I heard it maybe on, on John O'Sullivan or uh, Stuart Armstrong's uh, podcast, which I listen to pretty regularly. Not that I don't listen to yours, Sam. I tune into these too. Um, but, you know, it was if your dentist was doing the same procedures that they did in the 1800s, you'd sue them for malpractice. But yet with coaches, it's like, well, they were a division one player in the 1980s. They're good enough to coach my kid. And we don't look at their professional qualifications or, you know, making sure that they're current with what we know now that we didn't know then. So really, really important that we, you know, call that out and call attention to it. Um, we're currently in the process of building out a parent guide to athlete development. So, you know, we're, we're really fleshing that out and feeling out for what it's going to be. We're hoping to release it somewhere in the, you know, December-ish time frame. Um, but the idea being if, if we could put together a, you know, s small guide of let's call it 30, 35 pages that addresses all of the things that are necessary and kind of outlines it by here's what you should expect for your eight-year-old athlete, your 12-year-old athlete, whatever, um, you know, as well as things about nutrition and hydration and dose and duration, rest and recovery, right, so that the parent is empowered to really make great decisions, you know, for their child because, you know, my daughter loves carnival food, Sam, but at some point I've got to make sure she eats some broccoli, right? And so, you know, if we can put those resources in front of parents regarding our sport, hopefully they can help steer things in the right direction. Right. We've been doing blog posts. We're almost uh, pretty pretty regularly, I'd say about once a month, we pick some hot topic in, um, in athlete development, whether it's relative age effect or should my kid play up or down, um, you know, what age segment is appropriate for them. We pick some topics like that and, you know, put together a 500 or so word blog posting um, and, again, communicate that out via, you know, all of our various channels. Uh, that includes email blasts, social media, so on and so forth, right? We're currently working on doing some, uh, you know, 30, 35 second-ish type explainer videos about our uh, core values of athlete development and really how that applies to, to the parent aspect. Um, it certainly will be, they'll be ready for multiple audiences, but kind of saying, okay, you know, if we're talking about multi-sport participation, what does that mean? Um, you know, does it mean my kid signs up for an AAU basketball team, a club lacrosse team, their school lacrosse team, um, and a travel baseball team? Well, not necessarily, right? And, and we know multi-sport participation can be enjoying going out kayaking on the weekends, and that, that counts. So we're trying to, you know, consolidate, you know, a lot of those points into these really brief, short explainer-type videos. Um, you know, what we know with video watching on social media You've got about 35 to 40 seconds to get your message across, and you know the people are on to the next posting. So we're currently working on those. Um, and Sam, as as you know, I share this stuff out whenever we come out with something new. 
Um, I try to share it with as many governing bodies as possible using our network so that, hey, if this helps you, great. And it might have a lacrosse theme on it, steal it, put your own branding on it. We're cool with that because, again, we're all in this youth sport thing together regardless of, of what our sport looks like when you play it. And obviously practical tools. Um, the most, most recently, we're really big on physical literacy, and we felt that as an organization, we couldn't just say kids need to be physically literate and let them walk away um, you know, with just that. So we contracted with, um, with a youth sport uh, specialist in the area of physical literacy. He put together an incredible uh, manual, if you will, for us called 60 Ways to Play. Um, shameless plug, if you check out our website, you can download a free copy of it. Um, but it's basically 60 different activities and circuits, if you will, that you can do with kids to help them improve their physical literacy. Uh, you know, we all know that you have to be a mover before you can be an athlete. But far too often we jump right to trying to turn the kid into an athlete before they're a mover. Um, so we're, you know, really hyper-focused on, on providing tools like that so coaches, parents, whoever you know, can get into that space and, and help their kid become a confident, competent mover, which is only going to benefit their athletic development. We're also using a little bit of what I would call outside-the-box methods. Um, you know, yesterday being an example of it, I spent my entire day kind of driving around the Annapolis, Maryland area, meeting with financial advisors. And at first glance, you might be like, TJ, why are you meeting with financial advisors? Well, it certainly isn't because of, you know, I have a, a pile of money to invest and I'm trying to find the best person. The idea is that you know, we meet with them and we're sharing and preparing presentations for these financial advisors because the people they work with have kids and those kids participate in youth sport. And so when they meet with them, it, you know, it, it's a way for them to build a relationship with their client beyond just, hey, give me your money and I'm going to make you more of it. It's I can build that relationship and that you know quasi friendship, if you will, by talking to you about something that your kid is involved in. A kid is a parent's most valuable investment. So if if these financial advisors can you know speak a little bit knowledgeably and point the parent in the direction of you know finding more information out about you know athlete development, then you know we're going to continually grow this thing. So it, it's an interesting tactic. It's been a lot of a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I met with probably close to 50 over the course of the day yesterday, um, and, and the reaction from them is, is great. You know, they, they ask fantastic questions, and a lot of them have children involved in youth sport as well. And so they're, you know, right away we're hitting them right in the heart, and then we're hitting them in the head, um, and we're equipping them with the tools to not only educate or engage, you know, with, with their programs, but also, um, you know, their clients' programs. And the big one that we're kind of gearing up towards um, in early 2019, we're going to be putting on a virtual parent summit. Um, so kind of think of it, you know, like Sam's webinar here or podcast, but uh, a little bit uh, a little bit juiced up. Uh, we're working on the format. Probably going to be about a full day with sessions starting, you know, about every, you know, on the hour, where maybe a 45-minute session with a 15-minute, 20-minute break in between, um, with presenters from all over you know, coming on and, and sharing what they know about athlete development and how that, and how the parent kind of plays into that. Um, so we've, we've certainly got our work cut out for us and we've got our hands in a little bit of everything. Um, as, as Sam mentioned, we do have a, a larger staff than most. However, our athlete development staff is only two people. Um, 
And so you're know, leveraging the power of a lot of the other governing bodies has helped us get all of this stuff put together and out there in, in front of the parents or the coaches or whoever our target audience is. So sharing just a couple of quick examples, um, I don't know if you want to have a screen capture or Sam, I can email you this link if you want to email it out. But um, I thought I'd just share a couple of examples of the webinars. We're not going to you know, go down the road of watching them, but just to give you an idea. So when we talked about physical literacy, you know, the one at the top center there, ABCs of athleticism. And it was really focused around how as a parent do you help your child you know, develop the ability, balance, coordination to become more athletic. And then, you know, again, using physical literacy as the, as the, the vehicle for that. Um, you know, we have, you know, some other ones, the, the 10,000 hours rule is a lie. Um, that was a, a fun one, you know, when we talk about sports specialization, lack of multi-sport participation, that type of topic. You know, a lot of people believe because they, you know, they read a book that, oh, my kid needs to have 10,000 hours of lacrosse training in, otherwise they're never going to be an expert. Um, so we dove into a little bit of that and talked about what Anders Ericsson's study really said and, and how it was kind of misinterpreted and, you know, how diversifying across sports can get to that 10,000 hours um, in helping your child be a better athlete. Um, and then obviously the other topics that I already talked about, you know, the, the how to spot a good practice and, you know, and how to make lacrosse fun. Um, that one was, you know, based a lot off of uh, Dr. Vizek from George Washington University's study on the fun maps and fun integration theory. But again, flipping it around to the parents of how can you help make your child's athletic experience fun? Talked about some of those infographics, so I just wanted to share those with you to get a kind of visual picture of what they are. So far left there, five reasons why your child should be a multi-sport athlete. Right? Quick, simple, easy to digest. And then on the flip side, if you would turn that paper over, right, five things you can do to promote it as a parent. Right? Again, very simple things. Make your kid go outside and play. Right? Give them the opportunity. Encourage sampling. Right? Say, and, you know, number five is, is probably my favorite is say no, just say no to adults who want your child to specialize. Um, you know, there's that, you know, Reed Mulpey, John O'Sullivan, those guys talk about the whole, you know, fear of missing out factor. Um, but, you know, we, we know the reality is multi-sport athletes achieve more and they go further in sport than, than specialized. Um, and so, you know, we, we spent a webinar on this uh, as well as provided the infographics. So, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the best we can and, and trying to get as much out there as possible. Um, to, to help engage with the parents and, and help them make healthy, healthy choices for their child's sport participation. Hey, TJ, I made a few notes here. I, I, if you ever wanted to do a sixth one on that uh, five things to promote multi-sport, in addition to the get them outside playing, maybe it's also combine that with a say no if a, an adult wants to come in and organize your free play. You know, tell them to get lost. That we're we're having fun here. Why is it you got to come in and adultify this whole thing? Yeah. No, we so. we have a whole webinar on uh, the value yep. of small sided and free play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I uh, that was one that I sat in on. Yeah. Um, for also, sure. uh, going back, you mentioned you guys did one on uh, debunking the ten thousand hour rule. Um, shameless self or shame, shameless USA fencing promotion. I actually did an interview with Anders Ericsson on uh, my USA Fencing podcast, and we talked about that and a little bit about how um, Malcolm Gladwell really did a bad job for youth sports with with that because uh, the book was a bestseller. A lot of people read it, 
and uh, and kind of I think ran with this idea of they did some quick arithmetic of uh, 10,000 hours. My kid's six. Let's see, 16. That's a, that's 10 years. I gotta give him a thousand hours. That's three hours a day of practice. Okay, good. We go. Yeah. And um and and it, Anders has uh has has walked. I won't say Anders had walked that back because it wasn't his fault. That was someone else who had misconstrued uh, his research that was done on violinist. And there's some methodology things too. And if you've not read, I think David Epstein and the Sports Gene does a really good job of deconstructing that. And um, and Anders has been interviewed on it several times and has kind of addressed that. Yeah, this is probably shouldn't be shouldn't be carried over past the group that we looked at um, with that. So. Yeah, that's been one that's bugged me for a while now. Yeah, hundred percent, Sam. Hundred yeah. percent. Cool. Um, right. I, I want to uh, TJ I'll let you finish up here, and then I want to show the um, USA Swimming has a really cool video that they sent out just about maybe a week or two weeks ago, and I, I was going to get the screen back in a moment and uh, show that for folks who may not have seen it. Uh, it is probably one of the coolest multi-sport promotional videos that, that I've seen anyway um, out there. Yeah, no, Go ahead and you finish up there. Yeah, just, so just to wrap up, um, I wanted to provide, you know, some contact information. Um, you know, we do have our own unique section of the, the U.S. Lacrosse website there, so, you know, visit that. A lot of the, the resources and things that we've talked about are available there. Um, so, again, steal them, make them your own. We're okay with that. Um, you know, that's, that's not a problem. We're in this thing together. And if you can't find it, um, my email address is there. Shoot me an email, and I will send you a link to it. Or, you know, if you want to see all of the, the infographics that we've put together, I am more than happy to send you the file, and you can print them out and, you know, duct tape your, your own logo over top of it. We're, we're cool with that. Um, you know, we just believe that we're all in this thing together, and we want kids to have the best experience possible. So we're going to share whatever we can with whoever we can. Um, and then finally, you know, I, I put my phone number there. You know, that's direct line to me. So if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback, you just want to, you know, talk lacrosse because your kid plays and it's fun for you, I'm cool with that too. Um, so, you know, please feel free to, to reach out whatever, whenever, wherever, and we will do our very best to help you as best as we can to make youth sports great for kids. Yep. Uh, you know, I think the the sort of, catchphrase earlier, you know, as many kids as possible for as long as possible and the best experience possible is just such a great way to summarize what we're all, I think, trying to do with this. Absolutely, Sam. Yeah. Right, we, I'm gonna, we, we can't keep losing kids. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully this will work. Uh, so here is USA Swimming's uh, – they have a Flex Swim membership that is uh, a, a pretty cool program. In short, it's basically to allow kids – who want to be competitive but don't want to do it full-time to have that. So it's it's a neat program that uh, just allows more kids to participate in competitive swimming without having to devote their entire life to it when they're eight years old. And so hopefully this video and sound comes through okay uh, on here. But uh, this is their, their um, Flex Swim membership. So here we go. Thank you. 
I find that just pretty amazing um, and uh, a great you know promotion from USA Swimming. Uh, I, that had to have been really interesting to have to shoot as well. Um, all right. Oh, it looks like you didn't see my screen on that, huh, TJ? Sorry about that. I didn't do that. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, I will uh, put the link to. Sorry about that, guys. I'll put the link to the uh, to their uh, flex pass in there and stuff. And um, you know what? I'll even uh, let's let's try this again. It's so so good. I'll run it again. There, hopefully everybody could see that one um, with that. All right, um, one last chance for anybody to ask some questions or comments um, before we wrap up here. All right, I'm not seeing any, so just a quick reminder, our next uh, call will be on July the 18th with Jessica Leahy, and um, then on August 14th with Daniel Coyle. Uh, these will uh, the call from TJ here uh, will be posted I don't know the next couple of days. See how quickly I can get around to getting it up on YouTube and on to, uh, onto the iTunes or Apple Podcast. So TJ, once again, thanks uh, for sharing what Lacrosse is doing and uh, the parent engagement project that several of us are involved in, and uh, and sharing what US Lacrosse is doing. Absolutely, Sam. Thank you for having me on. Um, you know, always enjoy sharing what we're doing and. Hopefully this will spark you know some conversation with with other folks who want to get on board and 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 join the movement. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks everybody. I appreciate those who joined us, and um, well, I'll put some notes in the show notes for this so that you've got access to the link to U.S. Swimming. If you just go to U.S. Swimming uh, Flex, uh, it'll pop up pretty quickly on Google search. All right. So thanks everybody. <laughs>